Hello, everyone. You're listening to Slapdash, the podcast about history, art, science, and everything else. We're your hosts, Shannon Deaton and Jason Creekmore. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, we're discussing strange and unusual occurrences, sightings, and reports in the state of Kentucky. Kentucky has often been the topic of national conversation related to strange folklore, and today we discuss some of the strangest and perhaps most credible stories we know from our old Kentucky home. Seated across from me is a man who loves a good fight with Appalachian extraterrestrials, Jason <laughs> Creekmore. How are you, man? It is my lifelong dream to see some kind of winged creature behind like a pine tree in the woods someday. Oh, we might have a treat for you when this podcast is over. We're going outside, my friend. All right. There's a winged creature just for you. All right. I want to see it. It's awesome. And document it. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to make a documentary. You think we could get that on Netflix? Uh, I would say so. Yeah, I, I pretty much anything's on Netflix now. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. So, Jason, we're going to be talking about strange stories around Kentucky. Some of these we've heard about firsthand. Some of them we've heard about secondhand. But they're always really interesting. And I think we're going to begin with one that's almost a sort of a two-parter, right? So you're going to introduce. It appears to be. Yep. And we didn't know this going in. That's what's kind of interesting about it. We just knew these were stories, but we didn't know they were connected, or at least they might be connected. So possibility, yeah. Jason, what can you tell us about goblins in Kentucky? <clears throat> I can tell you a great deal, Shannon. Is that, is that a real about thing? About goblins, yeah. Well, apparently it is. The first case that we will look at uh, today is known by a few different names. Uh, the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter, the Hopkinsville goblin case, or the Kelly Greenman case. Whatever you call it, they all refer to an event on August 21st, 1955, in an area between the towns of Kelly and Hopkinsville in Christian County in western Kentucky. On the night of August 25th, seven individuals, five adults, and two children entered the Hopkinsville Police Station and claimed that the small alien creatures attacked their farmhouse. The family reported that there were between 12 to 15 of the beings and that they kept looking into the windows and doorways. According to the family, this encounter lasted for almost four hours, during which time the family shot at the aliens several times. Of course they did. So, Well, well, certainly they did. So people call them, in in some of the reports, they're referred to as aliens. Some they're referred to as goblins. Some they're referred to as the beings. Whatever you want to call it, something was there. Something showed up. (laughs) And it was peeking in the windows. According to the report, that it went on for almost four hours, that they, 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 they they would come on the porch, they would peek in the windows, they'd fire a gun, fire a shotgun. And minutes later, they would look, and they would be on the by the door. They would try to like to peek in and around, and like this went on for like pretty much nonstop for four hours. Man. Just sort of went around their their entire yard, front yard, backyard, and trees, just kind of peeking around at them. Any chances of just like small kids, you know, playing a joke, peeking in? Trying to see what's going on. I don't know, but you and then they're shooting at them. But you would, you would think the joke would have ended when the first shotgun was shot. I, I don't know, but but they claimed that there were uh, between twelve to fifteen of them. I mean, it wasn't just one or two. There were literally a dozen or more of these creatures just kind of walking around and oh, wow. just sort of sort of peeking in. Uh, the police, state troopers, and even some military police from nearby Fort Campbell drove to the family's farmhouse. 
They saw no sign of aliens or goblins or whatever it was, but did see evidence of multiple gunshots, shells, and holes in the doors and the windows. So that confirmed. So that happened. That happened, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah, that (laughs) happened. Uh, this story received local and national coverage as the family reported uh, that the, the aliens, the goblins, were approximately three foot tall, had large pointy ears, and claw-like hands. Huh. The more I read about this, something in terms of sort of like your, your traditional you know, UFO, you know, the phrase little green men, right? Sure. That's yeah. been used in all kinds of movies. So apparently uh, the original report uh, the family referred to them as as little gray men, and it was a misquote. And in the papers, they had put they had put green, but apparently, in the actual report, the family never called them green; they called him gray, hmm. uh, which was interesting. But that article just sort of you know went, you know caught like wildfire, and so all of a sudden, it was it was you know it was it was a typo, but it became little green men. So is that that's where that originated from? That's, yeah. That whole little green yes. man thing. But that phrase did not exist as we think about it today huh. until until that event. Okay. And there were several movies that were based on this encounter loosely. One of them being Close Encounters. That's one that the, comes yeah. to mind. Yeah. Uh, and the other was ET. Really? Yep. Yeah. Uh, both directors, you know, said that uh, they both, were inspired. They were inspired by those events. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. Yeah. And and believe it or not, this case is one of the most popular UFO cases in American history, not just uh, Kentucky. I remember being in elementary school, like in the '80s, and I remember you know checking out books in the in the school library. And one of the books, of course, I was really interested in stuff like that. Was like on UFOs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this this particular event was in that book. Did they mention it? Uh, yeah. Oh yes. Huh. Yeah. They, they mentioned the book. I remember the drawings. And of course, that would have been like 30 years after the event would have happened. You know, even in the in the '80s. Uh, but yeah, that was in a book in my in my school library. I always thought that was kind of cool. Huh, that is pretty cool. Uh, another interesting thing uh, about Hopkinsville, Kentucky, in this case is Shannon. If you remember, a couple of years ago, remember all the the big eclipse talk? Oh man, we were out there. We had the glasses on. Oh yeah, everybody did, right? We were staring at the sky. Yeah, it was supposed <laughs> to be like the 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 best one in you Ever. Know, well like, in a long time, long 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 time, right? So apparently, Hopkinsville, Kentucky, was the like the best place I think on Earth to see that for that because I think you could see the eclipse, a total solar eclipse. I think it was like two minutes and forty seconds, right? Where other places only got like maybe a minute or less. But there was that sweet spot, and and you're right. And I right didn't there. remember until just now that was in Hopkinsville. Yeah, it was in Hopkinsville, and, and people people were driving there oh, and flying from all over. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, they had hotel rooms reserved two and three years in advance uh, of of this eclipse. That's crazy, and I think they kind of nicknamed the town uh, uh, Eclipseville. Wow, uh, for you know for a couple of years, but. The weird thing about that uh-huh. is that the day of that eclipse was 60 years to the day of, oh my of the event that I'm talking about right now, and August 21st. Everyone fired their shotguns into the sky, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Looking for little green men or little gray men or That's whatever. Right, whichever it is. But yeah, I thought that was really cool that- That uh, is pretty that cool. Literally 60 years to the day on August 21st that that happened. So, so I thought that was uh, pretty cool. Connection there, you think? Uh, oh, there has to be. Got to be. I'm not smart enough to figure out kind of what, what the connection <laughs> is, but but there has to be. That was the story of the Hopkinsville goblin slash alien slash whatever that was. Yeah. So uh, I think you may have something similar that may actually be connected. Might be the exact same thing. And like I said at the beginning, we didn't realize this, or at least I didn't. We sort of divided the topics up and we went out and did our own individual research. But when I started looking into my case, which occurred on the opposite side of the state, you said yours was in western Kentucky. This is in eastern Kentucky 
in Pike County in a little place called Hillier, Kentucky. Yep. I realized, hey, this is about goblins too, and apparently aliens as well. So I called you up and I said, Jason, are we researching the same thing? And you said, well, not quite, but maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think it. I think it probably is connected. The more that, that you've talked, obviously, you know a lot more about it than I do. But based on the little you told me, it does sound pretty similar in, in ways. It is. It, yeah. It's very similar. So the story begins with an individual named Greg Newkirk, who is a paranormal investigator. He was contacted by a frightened man named David Christie who claimed that small humanoid creatures, similar to the ones you've discussed, were emerging from a long-abandoned mine shaft on his rural Kentucky property. After enduring a series of nightly assaults, just like the ones you described by the strange creatures, David shared a collection of photographs of three-toed footprints and even photographs of the creatures themselves. You can go online and look these up, and if it is a hoax, it's really well done. Yeah, it's like genuinely creepy. I mean, like sort of the hair stand up on the back of your neck when you. That's when how you I see. felt. It's just it's just weird. Yeah, it is. it's like oh. And if the pictures of the footprints are fake, it's it's not just you know drawings in the mud. Someone's really gone the distance. I read somewhere that some of the researchers who looked into this saw that the toes had. You know, uh, th- there's a name for it. And I can't remember what they called it, but it's the equivalent of like uh, how we have fingerprints on the oh, ends yeah. of our fingers. There's uh-huh. a name for prints on the ends of our toes really, as well. Uh-huh. And a lot of people who have pointed out like Bigfoot hoaxes, for right. example, have said that, oh, well, there there aren't any of these telltale signs of these special prints. You know, so if it's probably a hoax because every creature we've ever known has had these individual prints on and those the tips pr- of their those toes. prints did not have those right that's right now in this particular case they did so that's what's really interesting about this goblin case and about these photos that you can find online wow now whether or not you know it, it, there's still the potential here that the person knew this and they could have accounted for it but it's one of those small details that it it just kind of makes you think a little bit and just kind of pause and say well what if Now, Newkirk, the investigator who received these photographs, had this to say, quote, We were obviously hesitant to take the report at face value, but the photographs were more than a little intriguing. We showed them to everyone we could think of, from hunters to naturalists, even Bigfoot hunters. Everyone said they appeared to be real, but no one could agree on what kind of creature made them, end quote. And that's always the case. Right. right? The great unknown. Yeah. Right? You, just, you never know what you know, any kind of creature could have crept out of a cave and made this. <laughs> that's exactly right. The, the origin of this is traced back to when Dave Christie first contacted Newkirk, and this happened in June t- uh, 2012. He sent an email to a defunct Ghost Hunter International Gmail account. Now, this is one hmm. that Newkirk had had ever since he was in high school. Him and oh, a group cool. of his friends, yeah, had started this uh, this organization kind of as a joke, but, you know, also just genuinely curious. And they took some pictures yeah. and things called Ghost Hunters International. And uh, so this email arrives from Christy uh, at this uh, defunct email account, something that's not been used for years and years and years. And Jason, the email read as follows. Hello. My name is David Christie. I received your contact information through a mutual acquaintance who assures me that you are well equipped to investigate peculiar problems. Furthermore, I believe you may have interest in these events beyond any compensation that I am prepared to deliver in order to have these issues sorted. For the past six months, I have been living in a rural home located on the border of West Virginia and Kentucky, 
where my family is nightly assaulted by creatures that I have come to believe are of an extraterrestrial origin. These beings appear to be the size and stature of a small child, devoid of any facial features, save for large, oily eyes and lipless mouths. They frighten my children by peering through their bedroom windows. Good night. (laughs) Chirping at one another. They actively attempt to enter my home in the middle of the night. Last month, they took my dog. The police refused to provide any further assistance, attributing the problems to wild animals and forwarding my complaints to the State Game Commission. I believe they are coming from an abandoned mine located on the edge of my property. Though I'm armed, I'm afraid that I'm far too frightened to enter the mine by my lonesome and cannot convince my any sympathetic friends to accompany me, though I cannot blame them. I am convinced that the only answer is to collapse the mine. I believe this is where we can be mutually beneficial to one another. If you are prepared to assist me in this matter, I can offer you permission to record and document these events under the condition of anonymity. I can guarantee you evidence of these creatures, which I assure you are not wild animals. Please respond ASAP. Thank you. End quote. So, Jason, you wake up one morning and you have an email like this. And it's just as bizarre and strange as it sounds. Do you go out and, and start investigating, or what do you do? I moved to Brazil. <laughs> I, changed my, I changed my name. Yeah, that right there is absolutely horrifying. I mean, how, you, how he describes it. Well, first of all, it sounds like it's written by Bram Stoker. It does. <laughs> all right? Yeah. I mean, it has like a really – There's a mood to it. Like, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, can even, I can hear like theme music going oh, on yeah. in the background of it or whatever. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah. But, I mean, just the way he describes those creatures, that is just like – if I saw that one time I'd be scarred for life. I, I wouldn't be writing a letter. No. I wouldn't have access to anything because That'd I'd be, be the so, end of it. <laughs> yeah, it'd yeah. be unbelievable. I'd be done with civilization. Oh, no, I think. Yeah. Large oily eyes and lipless mouths. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> That's just absolutely Jason. You're chirping. That's weird. You know, growling's one thing. We get growling, yeah. you know, every Stephen King book, movie, every <laughs> horror movie, the thing's growling. But the chirping in the yeah. middle of the night and like peeking in the window yeah, and just making these there's there's sounds. absolutely no way I, I would uh, I would rather have something like growl and be in the room with me because then I know what its intentions because you are. know what you're dealing with right but if something's <laughs> right. just looking at me with a blank stare chirping from a distance I don't know <laughs> L- lipless mouths yeah my oh friend. my gosh gosh. That's crazy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> just crazy. That, but but I will say this. That email will get your attention. It will. <laughs> so I understand why someone might want to look into it. <laughs> he wants to see what's going on. Yeah. So Newkirk, again, he's a paranormal investigator, and he's received this strange, crazy email. Well, it's Christmas, my friend. <laughs> he's ready to roll. All right. So he, he, he straps on his Ghostbuster outfit. But <laughs> no, it, originally he thought the email was a joke, as you know a lot of folks would. And he responded to it, and he said he'd be glad to assist if Christie would elaborate on the details and provide some evidence. Because in that email, he said he had some photos. Right. right he had, yeah. hadn't shared those yet. Uh, shortly thereafter, Newkirk and a group of his friends and strangers created a group, an adventuring group, is what they called it, uh, called the Alien Cave Base Task Force. <laughs> all right. So all of a sudden, it's like, you know, Avengers Assemble. That's what, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like something that either G.I. Joe or Cobra would have to fight. That's right. Yeah. And they just sort of half seriously pledged to travel to Kentucky <laughs> with the intentions of investigating whatever was going on, whatever this claim was, to see if this person, this David Christie, was for real or just a total crackpot. <laughs> you know? So there was a follow-up from Christie. 
there was an email that came along after, and it, it's much longer than the first, so I'm not going to read all of it, but I did pull out some highlights, and these are words directly from the email, <laughs> oh, I can't directly wait. from Christy, <laughs> and this was following when he was asked for additional evidence and details and all that, right? So Christy said, I've lived in this area for just under seven months, and in that time, the majority of the harassment has occurred within the past three. At this point, I was incapable of keeping my dog outdoors overnight. Any attempt to leave her leashed would result in her barking herself hoarse until she was allowed back indoors. So this dog just kind of went crazy before it went missing, apparently. Probably scared, scared to death. Scared to death. The second week of January, I'm having breakfast with my family when my five-year-old daughter begins talking about the kids without hair. Oh. Did you get a chill? <laughs> the kids without the hair. kids without hair. I, I thought you were going to say that my daughter began to chirp. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, man. Gosh. When my wife inquired about these kids, she informed us that she had spent the previous night watching them play in the yard. As you can imagine... This was of some concern. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> yeah, <I'd> say so. <laughs> I asked my daughter what these kids looked like. She told me that they were, quote, bald like grandpa and weren't wearing any clothes, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until the end of February that our daughter informed us that the bald kids had returned. Gosh. I was awoken to the sound of my daughter screaming and rushed to her bedroom only to meet her halfway down the hall. When my wife and I were finally able to calm her down enough to speak, she told us that the kids were trying to peer into her window, but they couldn't reach and instead had taken to tapping on it. She hadn't slept in her own bed since. I'd burn that bed. <laughs> no, that room, I would just kind of cut it off. No no brainer there. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame her. Here's the last quote from the email. My friend has convinced me that my experience is similar to that of other visitation experiences, providing me with material and references that back up his claims. I'm aware of the outlandish nature of what I've told you, but I'm afraid that I have no other explanation for what I've seen, at least at this time. I can see no other option than to seal the entrance to the mine. So this guy's going he's, on he's a little blow bit of an adventure, man. Yeah. He's going to tear it down, right? So what was the conclusion here? Well, Newkirk and his team investigated the photographs of the footprints as well as a profile photograph that you can also find online of the supposed goblins. Again, if it's a hoax, it's not something that's like CGI. It's not something that's low grade. Someone's put a lot of time and effort into the details Hmm. of this particular, uh, these, these photographs. Uh, Police reports at the time do confirm the stories that there had been reported disturbances around the area, uh, but could not provide additional details. And here's the most interesting part to me. This is how the story concludes. Newkirk reported that his team was heading to investigate the case and that he had set up a, quote, dead man's trigger so that in the event he did not return, notes and electronic files regarding the case would be sent to several other top-notch researchers in the field. So he was going to make sure, man, if he's if he's going over to Hellier, Kentucky, if he's not coming back, he wants to make sure that this evidence outlives him. Man, that's, that's kind of crazy. That's that's wild. Uh, no wonder that was like a documentary <laughs> that was made into, you know, that was. Yeah. And, and it's a wild story. So that that has been made into a documentary, a Netflix documentary. And I, I didn't know about this until you mentioned it. Yeah. So you've seen some of these. I've, I watched the first episode. Just a few, I've really just kind of started to get into it. Uh, my cousin actually mentioned them to me a few weeks ago. Right. Uh, so I haven't watched them all. I think there's actually maybe two seasons now. 
but really, just really interesting stuff. Yeah, I think if I if I remember correctly on what I read, that that documentary was independently produced by this individual I'm talking about. Newport. Really? Yeah, and he actually wouldn't sell it to other studios. He wanted to release it for free because he wanted the truth to get out there. And you have to think about that for a second because obviously this is the kind of story that could you know elicit thousands, maybe oh, millions yeah. of dollars. Yeah. And yet he's saying, I want to put it on as many free outlets as I can. So if if you're going to hmm. lend a little bit of credibility to something, that might be a way to do it. That's, you know, it makes yeah, it a little something more to kind of hang your hat on a little bit. Yeah. You know, so that's the story of the goblins from 1955 through present. You, you think they're still out there? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm certain. Like I said, I'll probably <laughs> run into one tonight. If I'm driving home while I'm eating my pizza tonight from Little yeah. Caesars and I hear something chirping in the back. It's kind of tapping on uh, your shoulder. That's a it. Bit. Yep. I'm just, Are you gone? Uh, I won't. Yeah, I'm gone. I'm <laughs> running through the first field. I can, I can, uh, and I hope I run into Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would rather run into Bigfoot as opposed to, uh, so you would see Goblin after me. In Sasquatch over top of these, yeah. uh, hell your At least I huh? know what I'm dealing with, I think, with Bigfoot. <laughs> You know, right. with, with these cats, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. So let's shift gears here just a little bit and uh, talk about an event that you and I have laughed and joked about <laughs> for the last couple of weeks as we were discussing this uh, episode. And lovingly, I think it's titled The Meat Shower. <laughs> Shannon, have you ever heard of the song Kentucky Rain by, by Elvis Presley? I sure have. Well, this is sort of like that, but it's just meat. <laughs> so instead of rain, it's basically raining meat. So like Lunchables, sausage and pepperonis, ham and bologna, so, cats and dogs so, living together. Sort of. <laughs> the, <laughs> the world's apo- out of control. The apocalypse is upon us. Uh, yeah, so this event was, was known as the Kentucky Meat Shower. And that just sounds so stupid to actually say that you know, out of my mouth. But that's what it was called, the Kentucky Meat Shower. In one of the strangest events you will ever hear of on March 3rd, Way back in 1876 in Rankin, Kentucky, which is in Bath County, I have no other way to say this, pieces of meat fell from the sky for several seconds, uh, about 30 seconds, according to reports. These pieces of meat were between two to four inches wide and two to four inches long. The meat fell in an area that measured roughly 100 yards by 50 yards, so basically the size of a football field. Wow. And the exact type of meat was never determined, uh, but according to records, (laughs) and I have no idea why anyone would do this, (laughs) but but two men thought, "Eh, that's a pretty good idea. Let's just taste this. Oh, my gosh. Let's taste this exploding fallen meat from, from uh, from the sky there. So two men tasted the meat and thought that it was either lamb or deer. Either lamb meat or deer meat. Again, this is like the 1870s. Oh my gosh. Uh, a doctor uh, went on record at the time, Dr. Alan Hamilton. He, ident- he did not taste the meat, but he did examine the meat, uh, and he thought it was lung tissue and, and possibly human lung tissue. So <laughs> what do you think about that oh. with lung meat coming down on you from Man. the size of a football field? And, and this predates like air travel. Right, you said the 1800s. Yeah. Yes, uh, this, right, this, right yeah. before 1900. Yeah, this event happened. Uh, we're up, we're almost on the anniversary. Today's March the first as we record this. Uh, so this event happened March third in 1876. So a long time ago, yeah. right? And so uh, you know, obviously with that kind of of a, of a bizarre event, a lot of time has passed and a lot of different reports. Yeah. Uh, 
but there were several people that saw and testified uh, to this, and it's and it's still on record. And then there were people that showed up and said that they saw the the meat there. The most common theory about why this happened <laughs> was that there was a just a a big uh, flock of like vultures that were flying over this this football field sized area, and just spontaneously simultaneously just regurgitated <laughs> and all this food that they had eaten off of whatever oh it came just i mean like it, it would have to have been dozens and dozens of vultures just miraculously threw up sudden. at the same time yeah like within seconds of is each that other. a common thing i mean i sure would spontaneous <laughs> regurgitation of lung tissue <laughs> i wouldn't think so but, but but the report said that the that the the meat came down for like 30 seconds like 30 to 45 seconds it see hit, that's what kind of rained meat makes me wonder <laughs> yeah because I'm, I'm kind of a natural skeptic when it comes to all of this stuff and <laughs> we've, we've talked about a lot of different topics on this show jason we we covered cryptids a couple weeks ago bigfoot loch ness monster we've talked about uh, area 51 oh, conspiracy yeah. theories yep. crop circles all these things and naturally i try to come up with a, a rationale <laughs> you know? this is one that just kind of eludes me i mean even the best guess with the vultures just vomiting everywhere yeah that that's just kind of that's weird that's right yeah that's that's just so so strange but could you imagine if like maybe two of these stories were combined could you imagine being in a field and seeing the hairless children that are chirping and all of a sudden the meat come raining down on you or whatever that's crazy that's insane but that event uh for our listeners if you want to like if you want to look that up the kentucky meat shower yeah of 1876 that is absolutely crazy stuff so would it ever cross your mind to see this meat falling from the sky and to to reach down and you know just kind of pick one up and say hmm you know what? What is this? And, and just kind of take a take a little nibble, yeah. or would you be more more of like a nibbler if you had to do it, or would you just go full full hog? No, I, I think I, I I think I would I think I would be a nibbler if if I had to. If you had to, yeah. Do but it. I hope I would like to think I would have better judgment than just to see bloody, <laughs> you know, meaty ball substance coming from there and just pick it up and go, hey, I think I think this this is pretty good. You know, maybe put some cheese on it. Oh my god, maybe it's okay. Man, we, we should have had a disclaimer on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that one that oh, was a strange, goodness. strange event. It, I think yeah, it definitely weird. falls under the category of a strange Kentucky phenomenon. Strange Kentucky phenomenon. Well, Jason, I've got one for you, and I think this is uh, our last one. We've been talking about cryptids, or we did, like I mentioned, a couple weeks ago. But there's actually one in our own backyard, just up uh, a little bit north of where we're located here in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and it's a legend called the Goat Man. You ever I, heard of Goat Man? I, I have heard of the Goat Man, yes. So the Goat Man, or the Pope Lick Monster, as it's been called, is a legendary part man, part goat, and part sheep. I didn't know you could be part goat and part sheep, so <laughs> apparently so. Teach, teach their own. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's a creature reported to live beneath a railroad trestle bridge over Pope Lick Creek in the Fisherville neighborhood of Louisville, Kentucky. And there's been so many strange circumstances that have happened here, verified events, even in recent history. In just the last few years, there's been deaths that have occurred around this I area heard that. that have sort of been unexplained. So this creature has a, a supposed method of attack, and, and there's different reports on this as to how this happens. But some accounts say the creature uses either hypnosis or voice mimicry to lure trespassers onto the trestle to meet their death before an oncoming train. 
Gosh, it's crazy, man. <laughs> that's a little bit. That's a, that's that's a little, little dark. bit. That's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. So that's one story. It's better than chirping. It it is. And yeah, because you know this this creature just you know what it's up to. Yeah. You know what the business uh, is. Hey, hey, you. <laughs> that's right. Other stories claim the monster jumps down from the trestle onto the roofs of cars passing beneath it. So you know, wow. Just kind of as you go by, just kind of boom, goat man that's, on the that's, roof. That's pretty terrifying. Come to get you. Some legends indicate that the monster attacks its, its victims with a bloody axe and that the sight of the creature is so unsettling that those who see it are driven to jump from the trestle. So, wow. a lot of different methods here of uh, old Mr. Goatman. Goatman's a mean dude. He's a mean guy. You know, he's, he's got a, a few different things going on. Some legends hold that the monster is a human-goat hybrid and that it was a circus sideshow who vowed revenge after being mistreated. <laughs> right. So I think I saw that one on Scooby-Doo the other night. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> this, this is a mystery all its own, my friend. But as we mentioned, there have been several unfortunate events. There have been instances where thrill seekers have ventured to the trestle to investigate the goat man, thinking that the trestle is abandoned and no longer used. But Jason, it's, it's still actively being used this is not like an abandoned train track you know yeah yeah in reality operational right the bridge carries a major rail artery into louisville and heavy freight trains cross the bridge several times daily Uh, this makes it easy for someone to get caught atop the trestle while an oncoming train is barreling down the rails and this has happened a few times now there was a movie made about this event i've not seen the movie but it was a 1988 film by louisville filmmaker ron schiltnick called the legend of the Popelik monster sounds like an instant hit i like the name me. yeah the 16 minute six thousand dollar film premiered on december 29th 1988 at the uptown theater most of the film was shot at the public trestle but scenes showing the characters up on the trestle were shot at another safer location apparently you know away from the monster itself <laughs> right yeah uh, usually like uh you know terrifying man-eating at least man you know killing monsters yeah uh tend to have a you know it causes a problem when you're trying to film and, and record and write and try yeah. to make like great pieces of art they don't play along <laughs> do they? they they just try to get no. a little too involved in the middle of the the action film uh railway officials were very upset by the film in real life uh, they thought it would encourage teenagers to visit the trestles and and it did uh, hmm. in one scene a teenager is shown hanging from a trestle while a train passes overhead in reality, few people would have the strength to hang on for the five to seven minutes it oh takes gosh. for a train of this size to clear the 772-foot trestle. In addition, the vibrations from the train are so strong that the ground beneath the trestle shakes as the train passes. So you, won't, you wouldn't have a lot of hope if you're no. hanging on the edge. Um, not a good idea. Not a good idea at all. But someone actually did this in real life, and I want to get to that in just a second. Because officials were worried that the film would add to the death toll at the trestles that was already pretty high, even in 1988. A statement was issued before the film, which warned of the trestles' dangers and informed the audience that anyone caught on the trestle could be prosecuted for trespassing, in addition to fines. Wow. Yeah, so kind of interesting. Now... Several accidents have been documented, and these are real. So, you know, regardless of, you know, how how we might land on whether or not this public monster is a thing, these are documented cases of people dying in and around the area. In 1994, a man was killed by a train uh, around this area after his ATV overturned on the trestle, trapping him on the track. 
In 2000, a 19-year-old fell to his death after encountering a train on the trestle. On April 23, 2016, just about three or four years before the recording of this episode, a 26-year-old female tourist from Ohio died after being hit by a train while searching for the public monster. Her boyfriend survived by hanging on the side of the trestle. So, I mean, that's crazy when you wild. think that, that those are actual events. And I mean, it would seem like people would see the danger, like the legitimate danger right. in that, not just like one in a five million chance. I mean, if, if, if a train's coming, you're probably dead. Yeah. And that's that's so sad that those you know, those events happen. But I mean, but that is really bizarre that so many deaths in just a little small area right there. Absolutely. And just last year on May 26, 2019, a 15-year-old girl was pronounced dead at the scene after she and another teenage girl were on the train tracks near the Pope Lick trestle. I mean, just, just real things, just man. Just awful. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but, but, yeah, people have gone looking for this goat man. Several of these accidents occurred as a result of that. People just adventuring near the trestle, getting caught in the train tracks. And that was that was the story. So I don't know. This one's been around for a while. It's it's one I've heard about. Uh, ha- have you ever been in the Louisville area and been around this, uh, uh, I, this place? I, I have, but I did not know I was. Uh, my, my One of my friends lives in Louisville, and uh, we went to – apparently there's a park that's I think that's fairly close by this. Oh, okay. And so we went there. This has been a few years ago. And we just sort of walked around that day with, you know, with, our, with our families and stuff. And so I was talking uh, to him the other day about – because I knew this episode was coming up, and I was talking to him about that, and, and I knew – he was aware of it and he said oh yeah that's you know that was the park that we were in a few years ago he said you were we were very close to that actually and so uh, but i've heard about this for for years especially from him because he like i said he lives up there yeah now jason how, how do you think these stories come to be i mean absent of just a goat man in louisville maybe he's there i don't know maybe he's he's real but but if he's if he's not real how do you think these urban legends get started how, how does this stuff start to start to happen you know i mean as far as like the, the goat man i mean you know sad to say there's been some some true catastrophes you know there and you could see like maybe where someone they they think they saw something and then like maybe someone went to try to investigate and then and then had an accidental death and so you could see how that would kind of snowball right you know how maybe you saw something here but then something really did but you know really bad did happen sure and so people kind of make those connections and it sort of gets bigger and, and, and bigger you know i can see how things like that occur the the uh, Hellier case and like the the Hopkinsville case the goblins that yeah I mean that the goblins I mean either either that's true or it's not yeah. like, like there's no middle ground right. you know like I don't think that they're like 12 to 15 hairless children with oily eyes <laughs> that just walk around oily eyes yeah man. I mean like either you saw that or you did not right you know they're you know like the, the meat thing who knows? Just a strange thing. The vultures, you know, maybe, maybe, may, you know, maybe yeah. you know. But the 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 goblin thing is just. I mean, either again, it's either it's it's black or white. Either that happened or it did not. Right. And to have you know different people to come forward and have pictures and produce these things, and so this you know the family we talked about in the, in the Hopkinsville case, they they shot holes in their house. Yeah, who does that? I mean, I who, mean they had to have felt that they were under yeah, attack, yeah. that something legitimate was trying to harm their family or break yeah. in. Something happened there. No, normal, ordinary people don't no. do that. I mean, they didn't shoot like when they were on the porch. They they shot with the windows closed, doors shut. They were shooting through their home. Yeah. You know, and, and so and that was 100% verified that that occurred. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's it's strange, strange events. Man. Now, Jason, do you want to live in a world where, where goblins – 
could exist. I mean, on the one hand, you've you've got goblins, and oh my gosh, goblins, right? <laughs> on the other hand, if if that can happen, you got goblins. <laughs> you know what else is possible in this crazy world? So I don't know. What, what do you think? Uh, I like golden doodles. <laughs> I've got a golden doodle named Cody, and yeah. I, I like golden doodles. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not down with the goblins much. Okay. <laughs> no, I think Cody I would want a world too much. Or? Oh no, no. I, but but if he did, he'd be gone tonight. <laughs> that would be it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. So so lots of strange things in Kentucky. It's kind of a it's it's always been an interesting region. I mean, you, this these are these are just a f- very small sampling of right. some of the oh, crazy yeah. Yeah. crazy stories that yeah. I've heard growing up yeah. about this region. Oh about yeah, this place. You know, yeah. there's just something about it. It's it's Appalachia. It's isolated. You know, you you've got these instances where people can be out by themselves in their home and no one around to see what's going on and. I think that's part of it too. That kind of is the basis for a lot of good storytelling. Right. You oh, know, absolutely. All yeah. alone in the woods. There's there's another case uh, not far from here at all. You know, at Cumberland Falls, and and we had discussed about you know potentially adding that to this oh, episode, yeah. but there's another more of a ghost story uh, uh, event down there that maybe that might be something we can look at. We should do maybe those maybe we could go down there and do a uh, a a, a moonbow episode or yeah. whatever. Talk about that, but yeah, but like you said, you know, there are just there are tons of these. You know, little little stories, anecdotal records that are out there, and and it does make you wonder. At some point, you could trace it back. There has to be some speck of truth. Yeah, there has to be something there is. that has all, all fiction sort of originates right. usually with something that happened that was true. Right, that you can point to. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jason, I, I think that's all the material I have for this episode. Pretty cool one, I think. Fun to research, for uh, sure. Yeah, and uh, Shannon, this was our 25th episode. It sure was. So that's pretty cool, too. That is. 25th. And podcast has been online for almost six months. Or, yep, almost. Yep. Yeah, so we're we're creeping up on 5,000 downloads as well, and we just want to thank all of our listeners who join us each week. If you can, please share the podcast with others. We, we'd like to... Uh, you know, invite more people to the to the show, you know, each week and, and have more people listening in. And uh, also remember to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Slapdash Pod. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Take care, everyone.